Just another sexy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble. England are out of the Nations League and Wales win again. It's Monday, 16th of November. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Andy Grassell. And I'm Jim Campbell. Hi, everybody. Nothing manic about today. It's Jimmy and Andy in the studio. Boys, how the dickens are you? Knee bad. Excellent. Thanks. Excellent. Mm. Jim, you've got an important announcement. I do. We've got a brand new episode of the book club out today. Kate and myself were joined by the legend of England women's football, Eni Aluko, to talk about her autobiography, They Don't Teach This. We have a look back on her storied career, as well as the deeply painful circumstances that ended her 12 years playing for England. It's a really insightful and enjoyable listen from one of England's greatest forwards and it was uh, it was a lot of fun um, she was excellent company what a and guest. Uh, it was a, a great book as well yeah, so, amazing. Yeah, it was, she was brilliant so please uh, yeah do check it out now it's out now on football Ramble presents oh, and you worked your with podcast you've worked app. with any before yeah i would very much like to read her book actually jim mm-hmm. so if if i could have a loan that would yeah, be nice absolutely uh-huh jim's obviously worked with any and i would make a great strike force with her mm. yes thank you Needed to get you both on board with that. I can imagine you playing for Juventus. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gentlemen, England are out of the UEFA Nations League. What a great shame. It's not going to be the jamboree that it was last time, Jim. No. There'll be no medals around those English necks as there were last time. They did get medals for finishing third. Yes, they were handed in a plastic bag yeah. to Gareth Southgate and he was told to get on with it, but that they were still medals. Yeah, there were medals around English necks, <laughs> as the saying goes. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's, and it's a seldom used <laughs> saying. <laughs> uh, but there won't be this time, um, no. sadly. But, uh, no, it was fair and square, obviously. Uh, England... It was definitely square. Yes, it was. Um, but, my goodness, Andy, what a... If you're going to lose 2-0, that's how you do it, eh? Exactly, to a goal that was deflected twice and yeah. the goalkeeper feathered onto the I mean, inside of the post even, before it went in. Should that even count, Andy? Probably not. Probably not, no. no exactly. No, yeah. So, it's, so it's mor- Morally, it's not a goal, is it? So, Jim, how did you celebrate this English victory? <laughs> I have to say that I'm sort of baffled by this. It was a frustrating evening watching it. I'm sure it was even more so if you were playing in it. England lost to a side that we know are better than England. They're ranked number one in the world, of course. Um, and one can say, well, England sort of dominated in the second half. Did Belgium let them dominate? Probably is, yeah. is the and answer. Also it's th- Dominate is a funny term, isn't it? We've seen it bandied around a lot. It's not like they were yeah. carving much out that was clear. No, exactly. But they had a, had a decent amount of possession. Yeah, That's I mean, about it, really. Yeah, I mean, if Belgium were 2 0 up. I think people often forget that particular yeah. fact. Crucial that, wasn't it, to the but makeup of the, the second half? Having said that, there were chances in the in the in the first half mm. and what I think you have to say when you look at the performance rather than just the result, and I think that's just as important at this point because you find I think when you come to this weekend's Nations League, because of our current feeling about international football and its place in life in general, mm. um, I think a lot of people are just totally unaware of what the standings were for, yeah. for, for, for the Nations League because that's that's where we are. Um, I, I thought the Nations League, certainly the first Nations League um, 
was a very positive thing. Mm. Um, getting rid of a lot of trash friendlies and mm-hmm. uh, really ramming up the intensity of international football, which I, I think we all like to see. We all like to see worthwhile football. Cool. I think this second edition of the Nations League is just a victim of chronology and a victim mm-hmm. of, of, of current circumstance. But it is what it is. And I think with that in mind, the performance is actually more important than the result. And um, I know a lot of people this morning uh, and a lot of people last night were picking holes in Gareth Southgate and his his choices, his approach. Belgium will be one of the favourites for the Euros Mm -hmm. going in next year. And England made them defend. England really made them defend. England minus Sterling and Sancho Mm -hmm. made them defend. And I thought that was actually like relatively promising. I, I don't think there's any reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Andy, I love that. I thought you might be a little bit more scathing towards England, but there you are with a bit of positivity to to you know brighten up English Mondays. Um, because I, I and that is a challenge. It is. It yeah. is. Um, I, but I thought, Jim, that. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, I I agree with what what you're saying, Andy, but I couldn't get away from the fact that Belgium were 2-0 up. I know the goals you can say, well, it wasn't a free kick. Well, the goals went in. These things happen. Exactly. The the goals went in. How then do you you respond? And uh, England did have chances. They didn't didn't take any. It was slightly unlucky, uh, maybe here and there. Yeah, the Lukaku header off the line. That was a great clearance off the line. Um, But I, I did think to myself, I don't know how to feel after a game like that because Southgate was very very sort of forward in his praise with with some of the players and particularly Grealish and Kane was like oh well I thought we were fantastic and whatnot but they they didn't break Belgium down no they didn't and it was like England were just dealt with quite comfortably Mm. weren't they so it's hard to to know what to take away from that it's like almost like they've been in a boxing match where they've not really landed a blow well the thing is I mean Belgium didn't need to attack exactly yeah it was they were so comfortable, just sort of held England at arm's length, mm. got the goals they needed fairly fairly comfortably, regardless of, you know, deflections and whether or not it was a free <laughs> kick, you know. I mean we can't really be you They're know, not fair saying it's not fair don't count, can we? <laughs> um so yeah, it was it was a bit d- disheartening, wasn't it? Um because obviously <laughs> defenders appeal that. He's deflected, no, he's deflected <laughs> twice. Check on VAR. Yeah. But, but there's there's appealing and there's appealing. No, I, I, I thought the way that Declan Rice Appealed. It it belonged in nine oh two one oh or something like that. It, it wasn't. You're, 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 you're meant to snarl or something when you're appealing. But he was having a real OMG moment. Yeah, but that's because there would have been several emojis if he was like doing that appeal on his phone. Because in his head, he's won the ball and then got kicked. I mean, it was Keegan-esque. So shout at the referee, so snarl at him. No, he's not. That's what people want to see at international level. Come on. He's a nice boy, and uh, you do well to remember that. Um, uh, Andy, much has been made of of Southgate's approach with the 3-4-3. Our good friend Jonathan Wilson wrote uh, a piece recently talking about successful international sides are built on pragmatism. And you can see that in Southgate's approach here. He's talked about, you know, if we want to go deep in tournaments and all that kind of stuff, then you've got to have this approach. Others saying that he was... Uh, very wary of England's defensive fragility and playing a four-three-three, which brought a lot more goals to the side. You know, last year England were yeah. were, were, were were very very um, fruitful in front of goal, if that's the right expression. Mm. Whereas now England aren't scoring many goals. He's trying this uh, system out and he's given it a fair old go. And I know some of the personnel have, have changed quite a lot. But what do you make of it? Because I remember ahead of the World Cup in Russia. He tra- there was those two friendlies against Germany and Brazil. Yes. Well, they did three five two, and he was clearly working on defensive shape. That was the that was the name of the game mm. there, and you can and, and see 
Whereas now England do have quite a bit of attacking talent. It seems a bit of a shame to kind of halt it slightly. It, but I, I think Jonathan's absolutely right. The way you win international tournaments, mm-hmm. and none of this will matter when it gets to the final tournament. Mm-hmm. I, I think even the Nations League, you, you can say it's a trophy to be won, and I'm sure Belgium see it that way oh, because yeah. they're in they're in a very different position to England. They're, mm. they're sort of the generation they've got, the very talented generation they've got. This is last chance time. Mm-hmm. If they're going to win something as a group, it's, it's now or never. That's not the case with England. They're still building towards something. I feel that what England did in Russia, in terms of the result as well, if if not the performances, has, has made people have completely unrealistic expectations. Well, I think the, of, the unrealistic expectations are back. Oh, yeah. With yeah, a vengeance. That, that they are. And I agree totally with Jonathan. If you're going to win a tournament, it's going to be with quite boring football. You look at France... Uh, well, you can look at Portugal in 2016 mm-hmm. uh, with reference to the Euros, but you look at France in 2018. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they are always having this discussion in France, like where's the actual football? But, the but re- they could turn it on, though. Look at the game against Argentina in yeah, the second that, round, and then in the final, they scored four goals in the final. Yeah, they didn't want to on either of those How occasions. How you make us do this? <laughs> they, were, they, were, they, were, they were forced to, and the game was a little bit out of their control. Whereas the one niller against Portugal this weekend, oh, they were loving it. They were absolutely <laughs> loving it. That's the stuff. 1-0 to the Super France, but, but as can, Arsenal but, used to say, but, sing back in the day. But I'm not sure, though, that England can play that type of football. But, but England have to find a way to conserve energy in major tournaments. Mm. This was a problem under Hodgson, and it's been a problem under Southgate as well. To play with this Premier League hell for leather mentality... I agree with that, definitely. If, if it doesn't happen after 60 minutes, it's not happening. Mm. And you look at the semi-final against Croatia, that's a really good example of that, that England dominated the first half, and then they hit that wall into the second half and just get picked off. And Southgate is smart and conscious that that can't happen again. And I think if he wants to work on that, Various matches, you can talk about, you know, how, how many matches he's lost in compared mm-hmm. to other, other England managers. Like I said, I don't think anyone cares. If you get to the final tournament and he's got it right or he's closer mm. to getting it right, all this is like acceptable collateral damage, I think. That, yeah, I mean, that's the sort of the, the best case scenario, isn't it? But the worst case scenario is that we sort of go back to the bad old days of it all being a bit sort of flat and timid, which is how it looks at the moment. I mean, mm. yesterday, that was so conservative, it was practically a fox hunt. Like it was, <laughs> that's how it felt, wasn't it? It felt like, how are they going to actually... He has been wearing a waistcoat for a long time now. Like, <laughs> yeah. But that, that's that's kind of what it, you know, you, you talk about the kind of Premier League health, health leather approach, but you, you do need those periods in tournament knockout football where you do go up a gear and you do go, actually, we're going to need a 10 minute period here where we do try and blitz it. And then actually you you ride that and you try and, capitalise on it and it just looked like England I don't know how tr- how hard they actually tried to, to find that gear yesterday maybe I don't know maybe there is a sense that the, the Nations League doesn't matter as much because it didn't really didn't really feel like a competitive game did it is, that, is there simply was. not the pace in the team to do that last night you perhaps know? yeah I'm surprised he didn't start Sancho on the right where's the extra yeah. gear to go to mm-hmm. I, I think again you, you have to look at the current situation and say it's unreasonable to not expect rotation as, as, as well. So I, th- I think we've got to be like, relatively kind of, for, from, from that sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand what he's doing. You know, if you're concerned about the back, you three at the back, okay, it gives you a bit more um, stability yes. and solidity. And then you think, well, the three up front, 
you know, because if you do play 3-4-3, three, three, you can defend in numbers if you're under the cosh, but you still have three going forward. Yes, they could become a bit isolated, but you saw England playing a few more diagonals, that kind of thing, trying to be a little bit more direct to maybe negate that sort of press and, and so on, which, which I, I get that. Um, but it, so, so, I mean, really, whenever I look at England, I think, can we not have a 12th man? Yeah. We're gonna play three five three. That would be <laughs> that would be our deal. But until we twist uh, FIFA's arm with that, um, it's I get the wing backs. You have players that can do that. You have front three, okay, you back three. It's the two in the centre of midfield. I don't know if England have those types. It's of, about the profile of player, isn't it? Yeah, and I that's think that's it. I think that's what it is. And and to be honest with you, looking at that at the squad, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said. I know this sounds ridiculous, but a type of player like a Steven Gerrard in the centre of midfield, <laughs> not the team again, um, but that kind of player, sort of a bit more box to box and so on. And a lot is asked of Henderson. I know you need a sort of shield with Declan Rice. To be honest, the only player really coming through that, that you might suggest that, as my mate suggested, was Jude Bellingham. But a 17-year-old, yeah. it's a lot to ask. It's, yeah, it is. Because I think to get the ball in behind it needs to go out wide first effectively mm. right and that is that is always going to be uh, it's an added layer um mm-hmm. that, that which you need to get through so it's um yeah that that does really feel like a problem doesn't it but i think obviously the positive a lot of people have been talking about is, is jack grealish mm. maybe there's an argument that he floats around a little bit more or, or you know like that, that he could fill that role if, if he, he cuts inside more but like if he just does that skill just over does and that over, over and over again. I think we'll be again. happy with that. Brilliant. We? It was so, so, so good to watch. And like, <laughs> obviously I want, I want Gareth Southgate to figure out his best system. I want as many players to get uh, the minutes he thinks they need as possible. And I know that it's probably unlikely that he'll start Grealish against Iceland because he'll want to see, you know, if mm-hmm. someone else can do yes. something. But I really want to see him start against Iceland, even though I understand all that. But it's because ultimately I'm a fan and I want to be entertained. And there aren't really many players... England have that make me feel mm. like that where I'll tune in for them specifically and uh, Grealish feels like that doesn't he and that, yeah. it's been a long time since we, we've got to be careful though here because our obsession with the kind of get hit if we have him in I'm not saying build a team around no, him I'm I just know saying, you're not. Like, I really want to sit in front of my TV and of watch course. him play absolutely yeah. Jim I think we're all agreed there but I'm just saying that that can then lead to this media hysteria of oh if we don't have that person I mean I can remember you know, a couple of people I know got really, really annoyed at Euro 2004, was it? When we went out the tournament because he hadn't put Jermaine Defoe on the bench or yeah. something like that. Mm. You, know what I mean? you get obsessed with these particular players. Oh, if we had that person, you think, mm. no, actually, if you've got a system. Someone has greater value when they're not there. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. Don't they? But I think basically the bottom line is he'll end up building the team around Kane, as he should do, because yep. Kane is England's best player. Mm-hmm. But I think there's got to be a recognition of what Kane has become, which is is not just a number nine, but this mm-hmm. player who's very, very good. And you're talking about that lack of genuine craft in the middle. Well, maybe Harry Kane makes that up. Mm-hmm. Because if you let him play his natural game that he does at club level, and I realise not everyone mm-hmm. in an international team can play their natural team, sure. can play their natural game from club I mean, level. He was drifting a because, lot last night. Yeah, because you, you, you have to give a bit because mm-hmm. you know you can't go out and buy players. But in... in in terms of Kane, he's earned that right. And I think the fact is, if he's going to drop and play the passes that we know he can do so mm-hmm. effectively, what do you need? You need pace. Mm-hmm. And that's not Mountain Grealish. No. Wh- no. Wh- wh- whether you like it or not. Mm. I mean, Grealish, but I still think you could have room for Grealish. But again, you don't have to play this sort of symmetrical. You can play slightly differently. Yeah, you France do... are asymmetrical. They've got an asymmetrical yeah. 4 4 2, haven't they? So yeah. that, that can work. Sure. sure. So you need on that right side 
if Grealish is going to be on the left, which is what people would like, I think. I think there's a real understandable desire for that and I would definitely be in there. But again, this is the difference between what fans want and what Gareth Southgate is trying to build. He's trying to build a tournament winner. He is. He doesn't or, or shouldn't care about entertaining no, people. No, but, but he was very full of praise for, for Grealish yeah. after the game and so we're going on his words as well. But on as that was Kane as well. It's yeah, encouraging, isn't it? It is encouraging, but on that right side, that's where when he played Mount, I thought actually Sancho would have been a better option in that yeah. particular mm. game because you have those players. You've got Sterling, Rashford, uh, Sancho to, to name three. And that's the type of player that Kane likes to link up with. We've seen Kane and Sterling link brilliantly uh, and obviously Son at club level and so on. So you can still have that. Mm. Um, but uh, you know we we shall see um, it was a 10th defeat for Southgate in 48 games which more than I thought actually he yeah. becomes the first England manager to lose 10 games since Fenjorn Eriksson so he's in good company three of those against Belgium yeah. in in tournament in tournament football yeah, weird, I mean, really. yeah, if, yeah if you like yeah. I mean old Svenigan's lost 10 of his 67 games in charge so so you know Southgate's record isn't brilliant um, so he's up against it, really. Mm. Well, not up against it, but he's you know the pressure is now on going into this tournament. Like yeah. I said, I I, th- I think this is this is just an uh, almost an anomaly. I mm-hmm. don't think it really matters given what he's we, he's trying to build. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sven Joran Eriksson had an impeccable record, generally speaking, give or take a Northern Ireland in in qualifying, mm. but it's, it's got to be about the back end of a tournament it's with the expectation about... that's been created. Well, look at Portugal. They always, uh, well, I don't know about actually recently, but traditionally they would always kind they of They love stumble. to make heavy weather of it. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. they do. And they are the current European champions, lest we forget. Yeah. And yeah. UEFA Nations League champions as well. Oh, but they've lost the uh, the, the Nations League now. Ah, and, yeah. You know, they were the first, you know, when people talked about, oh, Germany could be the first team to be relegated from the Nations League. Yeah. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. In the first edition of the Nations League. I think Portugal are the first team to be genuinely sad to be knocked out of the Nations yeah. League as they were at the weekend. It's a weird one, isn't it? Um, I have a, I, th- I have something that I think could be an, an ace up um, Gareth sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you enjoyed this as well, Marcus. Theo Walcott, but not Theo Walcott, oh, yeah. no. But um, <laughs> the national anthems. Oh now, yes! Now that there are no fans and you can hear them, oh my god, <laughs> that was the highlight of the game for me. It was so funny. It was so dissonant. Like it was such mm. a dissonant drone. And like they're mic'd up now. There is it's it's entirely possible mm-hmm. that um, there aren't going to be fans in the stadium for mm-hmm. the Euros. Hopefully there will be, but it's a possibility that there won't. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I in that situation, whether there is or not, let's properly mic them up, get a choir master in to knock them into shape <laughs> so that they can belt out the national anthem. Yeah. It'll be like our hacker. It will it will intimidate any team we're playing. Do it. Will it intimidate? Yeah, come on, Marcus. You, not, you, have, you have everybody I know should be getting on this well, train. Well, like I'd like to add in a couple of extra uh, details there. So what they should do then, if you want to turn it into a sort of New Zealand hacker style sort of thing, is instead of like facing the normal way, I don't know whether there is protocol or not that you have to face a certain way. Perhaps there is. But if there isn't, Andy, what the England players should do, they should all just turn round and look at the opposition while they're singing. That'll get the, that'll it put will. the willies up then, wouldn't it, Andy? I'm thinking human pyramid. Ooh, uh, yeah. Injuries galore. <laughs> yeah, Kane at the top of the pyramid. And then he fall down. And, oh, no, he's done his knee. <laughs> but I, I think the, the problem with that is you're relying on a few players, maybe a Ben Chilwell, for example, to really carry it. Because like, think back to school assembly. Like 70% of the kids are miming. Mm, and mm. when I heard that, I 
felt justified in mining well, that, throughout my school career. That's why you've got to get a good choir master. He's not having any of that. Yeah. He or she, of course, is, would, would whip this team into shape and mm-hmm. just go, no, you're all belting, belting this anthem out at the top of your lungs. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, if you're staring into the whites of the enemy's eyes. If you're Tammy Abraham listening to that, you're thinking, oh, I've got a great chance of getting picked from the squad now. <laughs> mm-hmm. have, you, have you ever seen his, his video that he did um, for his initiation at Swansea where he does a, a quite right. magnificent version of End of the Road by Boys to Men? Was it, wow. was it Tammy Abraham when, yeah, he, he was, oh, you've got to sing in front of the lads. And yeah. then he did and everyone was like, oh, tears in their eyes. That's pretty good there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. As, as opposed to when Jude Bellingham did his initiation at Dortmund. It, which the players had tears in their eyes for an entirely different reason. Uh, Jaden Sancho was falling off his chair, crying with laughter. Oh, Jaden, you nasty piece of work. <laughs> uh, well, they're teammates, of course, at club and country. So uh, good luck to them and good luck to old England. Um, uh, uh, gentlemen, elsewhere in uh, the Nations League, Spain drew one all with Switzerland. Funny old to say <laughs> Amazing. that. Um, Sergio Ramos, on his 177th international cap, record breaker. That is remarkable. It really is, isn't it? In that, for that country, who have who dominated football for that sort of five or, or four or five year period when they were absolutely imperious, he was there. He, he, you know, an absolutely incredible career he's had. Unfortunately, and he's still having very much. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Unfortunately, though, he missed two penalties in the game. Mm. <laughs> He did. The co-commentator called the second one a Penenki. <laughs> Which was very nice. Yeah, the first one, good save from Sommer in goal, fair enough. And then the second one, you think, all right, Lace is behind this, pal. And he thought, yeah. no, I'm going to do what Adam, Adam Ola-Lukman couldn't. But this this has been in the post. I mean, he's mm. someone who takes like six, seven Penenkas a season. Yeah. And he, also, I mean, obviously, he does the stuttering run-up, doesn't he? He loves it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, after that penalty against Bayern in the Champions League semi-final, going back to 2012, mm-hmm. 2012 you must think, I'm never leathering a penalty ever again. <laughs> yeah, but we've seen... And it's, it's generally works for him. But it does. You've, we've seen him put them in the top corner and stuff. You mm. know, he takes mm. penalties a lot, you know, as, as we've seen him. So I was surprised with the second one where he thought, OK, I'll, I'll have you, son. Summer, oh, Summer did come off his line, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. But I mean, it's still a terrible penalty. I think. He, I mean, he caught it. He had time to come <laughs> off his line, go back on it, mm-hmm. come off it come again. Back again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the, the thing that really surprised me is when Jan Sommer saved that second one, normally when a, a keeper saves a Penenka, mm-hmm. they're, they're absolutely fuming. Yeah. You know, there's, there's the adrenaline of having saved it combined with the how dare you do yeah. that to me the lack of respect is disgusting but he was just oh that was easy yeah I think he was quite happy though yeah, yeah. Say, you mug yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then went on to concede in the 89th minute yeah, so. yeah I know I, I would have been nice for Ramos to score of course but 177 mm. international caps that is one cap for every muscle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that beard is exceptional as well isn't yes. it he's got a bit of a Thor guy like vibe going on I don't mean Chris Hemsworth as, as Thor I mean the actual Norse deity <laughs> yeah he's a bit like that especially when he takes his top off you see him in the gym ridiculous gym. he's uh, he's an absolute special yeah I uh, had no idea you shared a gym <laughs> just with Andy um, alright ladies and gentlemen we're going to go for a quick break and then we'll talk about Wales and Scotland see you in a moment <laughs> I'm Martin Keown and you're listening to Football Ramble. Yeah, maybe just once more about the Football Ramble. That'd be alright. I'm Martin Keown and you're listening to the Football Ramble. I'm Martin Keown. Keown. 
Second time's a charm. Mm. Uh, welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. Oh, before we do anything else, uh, let's have a Betway 4 to score update from our 4 to score this weekend. Entry to Betway's 4 to score is free each week. Pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly £50,000 jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game. Further T's and C's applying. Game one, of course, it finished uh, Portugal 0, France 1. I picked Cristiano Ronaldo, the result was N'Golo Conte. Mm. I got it wrong. Game two, Switzerland won, Spain won. Vish picked Alvaro Morata. It was, of course, Remo Frula. Uh, in game three, Germany beat Ukraine 3-1. Andy picked Serge Gnabry. It was, of course, Roman Yaramchuk. In game four, Belgium 2, England 0. Luke picked Harry Kane. It was Yuri Tielemon. We didn't do very well. Yeah. No, never, like... never mind Yuri Tielemans. I mean, you're Yuri Geller if you've managed to get that lot right. <laughs> yeah, Always uh, nice to have a Roman in there, though. I'd say so. Yeah, it's, um, uh, international football is hard, I it, think. It's very difficult. We'll be back with another round of Betways 4 to score on the preview show this Friday. All right, everybody, let's have a bit of this. You know, I'm never mentioning, not complaining, mentioning that I'm never asked to read emails ever again because now I've just been given an Mm. email avalanche. Yeah. Oh, no, Andy. But this is a pleasant one to receive because it's from Darren Wheelhouse. Hello, Ramblers. After listening to Friday's show and hearing the name of the wonderful Yuri Geller, (laughs) two mentions in a show, that's not bad, is it? I'm reminded of a story Ant and Deck told about him during his time in the jungle. Yuri was about to start a trial and asked the boys how his beloved Exeter had got on in the FA Cup that particular weekend. The boys told him that they weren't allowed to tell him. So, Magnificent Yuri closed his eyes in deep thought before giving a small fist pump and a cheer in victory. Little did Yuri know that Exeter had lost 2-0 and proceeded to look rather foolish. No Sky Plus in the jungle, mate. Yuri Geller, <laughs> one of society's biggest prats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I love that he's... Has he made a comeback? Was he ever away? Was he ever know, here? Really? We don't know. We do not know. Do you have something to do with him getting his own Scotland shirt? Uh, no, I got it wrong, actually. I said it was a Euro 96 shirt. It was a World Cup 98 shirt, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. But if I knew he was accepting... Like Yuri Geller, you it... had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, but if I knew he was accepting old uh, shirts from the past, then I, would have, then I would have sent him an avalanche of the bandy and said, you know, hold this one up, pal. My goodness, we could do with a bit of luck. Oh, that's a... That's a quite profound image, that, isn't it? An, an avalanche of Scotland shirts. Yeah. Well, not just Scotland. Any, it, whoever you want uh, the sun to shine on, send Yuri the shirt yeah. and uh, the fortunes will, will, will turn, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ever thought about that, Jim? No, I haven't. Get Arsenal up the league. Toe, <laughs> yeah. There we are. Right then, uh, gentlemen. Talking about uh, top of the league, let's go to Wales. They beat Ireland 1-0. The Welsh are on fire, Andy. Mm. Yes. Another victory, another clean sheet. Seven clean sheets uh, in a row. And this was, of course, uh, without Ryan Giggs in the dugout, uh, as we, you know, for, for well-documented reasons. Um, so they're, 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 they're flying high. I mean, if they avoid defeat against Finland on Wednesday, then they'll get promoted. I mean, there are many sad things about there being no football fans 
in the stadiums mm-hmm. at the moment. But obviously, one of them is the fact that, you know, you could have had in the closing stages of this, the Cardiff crowd singing in lovely voices, yeah. as they always do, we are going up. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good, wouldn't it? It would have been special. But, but what I think is amazing is the fact that Gareth Bale, who you think of as, you know, if you think of, I was, I was on the radio last night and we were talking about which player is like the most integral, mm-hmm. the most indispensable to their international team. We're talking about Ronaldo with Portugal, came with England, Lewandowski with Poland, and Bale with Wales. But actually, they've been playing with the shadow of Gareth mm-hmm. Bale for, for a little while. Yep. Now, through no fault of his own, he needs to get himself back to, to match sharpness. And funnily enough, rather than him carrying them, they're carrying him. Ah, the at, tables of turn. At, at the moment. And you have to say, it's a very talented and very coherent group as well. It is. And and they look like they're going to get promoted, say, so just avoiding defeat against uh, the Finns. Who, I mean, to be fair to Finland, they, they're on a nice bit of form, beating first, France, of course. First time, like first time qualifiers as well. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, but poor old Ireland, Jim. Um, after seven matches in charge, Stephen Kenny, these sides only scored one goal. They've, they've yet to win a game. But he backs himself. He said after the game, I, I know I'm going to be a success. Mm. Well, I mean, you, you've got to take that attitude into it, isn't it? It's a, it's a very, very difficult um, mm. situation to turn around, and you, you know, you're not exactly just going to lie down and go, "Actually, this is, yeah, this is going terribly. This is a lot harder than I thought it was. I'm probably going to mess this up." But saying um, the words, "I know I'm going to be a success," I mean, it's quite yeah. a bold statement. Yeah, well, I guess that in in a sense, that you um, you have to succeed a lot more, don't you? Mm-hmm. If 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 you're taking that that tone. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one to turn around, and with fairly limited resources, I suppose. But um, I, I, I don't know about you. I'm just really happy to see David Brooks score because he had a difficult time last season, missed a lot of football, mm-hmm. and he's a he's a player that looks a real talent. And that was he, he's a developing talent, and it's a shame to see a player like that miss a big, big chunk of time. And to see him on the score sheet is really, really good. Yeah, and Wales, Wales turned it around as well. You know, shifting from a back three to a back four, and it seemed to kind of work out quite well because the thing is with Ireland I do see what Kenny's trying to do he's trying to make them a bit more attacking and a little bit more exciting I suppose and I think I actually think it will begin to to turn itself around I just I just think that might you get that goal get that win and then suddenly the, you know the wheels start turning but it, it's very very difficult for them at the moment um Scotland lost uh, finally after that unbeaten run, <laughs> my goodness. Um, a, a number of, uh, of the Scottish players were rested, of course, in the side that beat, beat Serbia. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, Andy, you were talking about, just, don't just look at the result, look at the performance. It was a decent performance from Scotland. They played really well. And it, that mighty Rodak in goal, Fulham's finest. Well, second finest, he's on the bench. <laughs> uh, but he made some great saves. And Scotland, again, will be quite pleased with their performance, even though the result didn't go their way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still reeling from the uh, revelation that John Carver's part of the setup. I wasn't aware of that. Well, is it any surprise, Jim, that John Carver, Scotland haven't qualified for a major tournament for so long, and as soon as John Carver joins the setup, bang, they're there. Mm, can't be coincidence. No, I mean, exactly. I suppose it could be. Yeah. <laughs> He's had an ounce of influence, hasn't yeah. he? Old You're not pleased with him after that, what happened to him at Newcastle all those years ago, Andy? Delighted for him. Yes, okay. Well, um, he uh, apparently tore his calf while running onto the pitch to celebrate and uh, knew Mitrovic was going to miss the penalty. That's the John Carver we know! <laughs> there he is! He said, the, the adrenaline is flowing and I knew Mitrovic was going to miss that penalty. I sat next to Scotland goalkeeping coach Stevie Woods on the plane and I watched him miss a couple, so I was concentrating on that area. I mean, you said that yourself, didn't you, Marcus? You I, said after, after I the... I think everybody did, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like he was... Like, I don't know. 
the stage was set for it to, to all, all, all go wrong. And, and so it did, thankfully for Scotland. Um, what we need in this situation is a cool head, thought Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Mitro. Great yeah. save from So, I mean, one. Scotland are in a really good position in their, in their group, aren't they? And, and, you know, this is a good chance for them to build momentum ahead of the Euros and just keep mm. that, keep the good times going. Oh, I, th- I think they will. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know what? When we're talking about the whole relegation promotion thing mm. with um, the Nations League... I don't want to take it back to Fulham here, but does Scotland want to get promoted? I mean, someone suggested to me over the weekend <laughs> that maybe Ireland are looking at this, thinking, mm. and I understand this has all been sprung a bit on Stephen Kenny, you know, we're talking about chronology, and mm. it, he's really having to busk it on the spot with mm. not a particularly good squad. Um, but I, I wonder if, if people look back at Ireland in a few years' time, they think, and the reason we qualified for the European Championship in mm-hmm. in 2024 is because we got relegated from the second Nations League and it was <laughs> yeah. way easier to qualify <laughs> from, from Group C. It's almost the Scotland route, isn't it? Yeah, although I think Ireland are... They're not in pole position to get relegated, though, in, in the group. How so disappointing. You're going to have to try harder, lads. Or lesser, whatever it would be. Well, it's going well, though, <laughs> isn't it, in, in that regard. <laughs> it is, yeah. Small um, steps, small steps. Indeed, yeah. Let's finish the Nations League chat with a bit of San Marino. They've gone undefeated in two competitive fixtures, competitive fixtures rather, for the first time ever. Beautiful. Isn't that amazing? It's most serene. Captain Dante Rossi was in tears of joy after back-to-back draws against Liechtenstein and then Gibraltar. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I, I completely get your get your enthusiasm there, Marcus, as well, because there have been a lot of people saying, oh, what's the point in the Nations League, like, particularly now, blah, 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 mm. blah, 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 blah. But I think people forget what it's replacing mm. very, very quickly. Yeah. Like, th- you know... Those people want a European Super League. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. That's what I yeah. think of those people, genuinely. <laughs> I, I agree. I have to say, North Macedonia get into the Euros. Glorious. Yeah. Magnificent. Yeah. But, but, I mean, there would have been, like, you know, Liechtenstein might have been playing England, you know, and it, yeah, would, exactly. and it just would have been, like... It's just well, of course, drudgery. in the qualifiers, they they will do. But you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, when 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 you hear Dante Rossi say, "I dedicate this draw to the whole country. We are a small country, but we have a big heart." Marcus, it's as, glorious. As, as such a lover of international football, mm-hmm. if we're assuming that England call up is 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 not coming yep. now for mm-hmm. you, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's Southgate's fault. Is that why you're so brutal about him at the top of the show? <laughs> yeah. If you could... I'm waiting for that Scotland call-up, baby. There we go. <laughs> if you could naturalise and play for one of the smaller nations, Obviously. like a, a, a group, a League D type yeah, nation, yeah. which which one would you play for? Oh, that's a good question. Gibraltar. It's yeah. the nearest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Striding in with your blue passport. <laughs> Sealand? Perhaps a bit of Sealand? No, who are they? Sealand. It's who a, are you? Military thought. <laughs> no, I know. A little micronation. Oh, I thought that was sea. that thing with the dolphins in Miami. No, that's Sea World. That's Sea World. It's subtly different. Yeah. I'd, I'd go Andorra, I think. Would you? Yeah. Why? I think it's a good cultural fit. Sort of midway between France and Spain. Yeah, okay. Like, like, I see what you're doing there. Basically a ski resort, isn't it, Andorra? Mm-hmm. Effectively. Yeah, pretty much. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's been a lovely old time uh, and, uh, and we look forward to, to the last few fixtures, of course, that will be happening uh, midweek. Gentlemen, um, a few things to, to take care of, or a couple of things, at least on the home front. Pay-per-view has been scrapped until at least the new year. Yay! Uh, maybe in the new year, we'll love it. Yeah. Maybe in the new year, we'll be up for paying nearly 15 quid for a dead rubber. You've got to celebrate all the little victories, Jim. Yeah. We're pushing them back. We've got tanks on their lawn. Um, I am 
delighted uh, that uh, Fulham are going to be on, I think, on the B- BBC One. I think one of their Brilliant. games is going to be shown, which is glorious because they've been on pay-per-view for, for, for too long now, damn it all, and the nation has been starved of that Fulhamy goodness. If there was going to be a Premier League game that directly followed the one show, I do feel it would be a Fulham game. Absolutely. And did, do you is think... that a dig? No, it's just a, it's a comment right. on, on Fulham and it's... And <laughs> it's they would be part of a lovely bit of primetime entertainment. Yeah. And I think that's why they've been put on pay-per-view a lot, isn't it? It's assumed that the, that the fans c- can afford it. No, I like, don't Because you and I went to Fulham a little while ago and mm. all of the food comes in a hamper, doesn't it? It's like a little very like a little picnic hamper. It's actually in a camel, <laughs> yeah, you get, you, you get your chutney and your little cheese board. Yeah, well, little bottle of port. Again, is this a dig or is it a comment? It's just a comment. Yeah, okay, right. How much are the burgers at Arsenal again? Go on. The uh, brisket burger yeah. is £17.50, Marcus, right. as you well know. Right. Up yours um, with a rusty and one, the, then. The, fr- the fries are not included. Yeah, right. I particularly enjoyed how in one little comedy riff... You both managed to very succinctly explain why English fans end up paying the, through the nose yeah. for everything. Because it's not like, let's unite and fight the man. Mm. It's, let's say what your club does. Yeah. It's actually a although, although, actually, I suppose the reversal of pay-per-view mm. has, has kind of been something different to that. And for the first time, it's been fans coming together and, mm-hmm. and saying, we're, we're not going to stand for this oh, and yeah. actually making yeah, a difference. It's been a good thing. But can we take a moment to step back and, and reflect on the fact that the 14, $14.95 for a pay-per-view game is less than a burger at Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, my God. Goodness. I mean, it was me thinking it was... I think maybe it is £14.50. Maybe it's the same price. I can't remember. No, it was more. Yeah. It was definitely more. The bottom line is, it's being served in the UK, so it's going to be burnt to a crisp yeah, anyway and absolutely gonna, inedible. It's going to be poor, Andy. My yep. goodness. Well, look, well done, everybody. Uh, as a collective, though, we've managed to push them off until the new year, at least. Yeah. So let's keep pushing that back. January, when everyone's feeling flush. Yeah. They're, they're, um, <laughs> they're reassessing. Yeah, when, we're doing, when you're doing dry January, Jim, you think, you know what? We'll uh, make up for this pay-per-view. Hearing me, um, gentlemen. Let's let's finish the show. Sad news: uh, Ray Clements has died at the age of, of seventy-two. Uh, very well decorated footballer, of course, winning a lot of league titles, European Cups with Liverpool. Um, you know, won trophies with Tottenham Hotspur as well. And there's been some some really nice tributes to Ray Clements. I mean, you know, only the, the age of seventy-two. I mean, I know. You know, it's not a young man, but still, though, it's still young. If you if you see what I mean, you know, and. And, and a giant of the game, and one thing that, that people say around this, I think I think Roy Keane said it on TV actually, is that you know you can talk about his career absolutely, but what a great guy he was as well. Yeah. I mean, it just everybody said that about him, and I always find it interesting when when somebody like that. I remember when Sir Bobby Robson died, everyone kept saying what a nice guy he was, what a great man he was, mm. and you think to yourself, yeah, that 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 is really the legacy. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's your legacy, and. It, certainly in terms of what we should be thinking about at the moment, which mm. is his his family and his, his friends. Mm-hmm. But if, if we go back for a minute to, to what he was as a footballer, which obviously might be for some listeners a, a little bit before their time, he was hugely responsible for making Liverpool the global behemoth mm-hmm. that, that they are today. And, you know, when you go back to Liverpool winning the... I was, I, was, I was saying to someone earlier, when you go back to Liverpool winning the Premier League earlier... Um, this year, the reason that it was such a big thing all over the world was because they built what Shankly called this bastion of inv- invincibility mm-hmm. in the the late sixties, the seventies, 
and especially the 70s and the 80s. And he was a huge part of that because you can talk about the three European Cup wins and he was integral in those. But the two UEFA Cups before mm-hmm. that as well, which were the, the run-up, because they, they beat um, Borussia Mönchengladbach mm-hmm. in one and Club Brugge in the other, and they ended up beating Gladbach, who were a real team of the 70s from, from Germany, in um, the, the first European Cup they won in 77 mm-hmm. as well. But if he hadn't have saved a penalty from Jupp Heynckes ah. in the UEFA Cup, um, in the first leg of that UEFA Cup final in 73, they very may, well may not have gone on, on and won that. So he had a hugely pivotal part in that his last game for Liverpool was the European Cup final when they beat Real Madrid in, in in Paris so this is a guy who was an absolute giant of the game mm-hmm. and one of your way for covers with Tottenham Hotspur as well yeah, yeah he, he didn't he didn't play did he in, mm-hmm. in, in in the final in the end it was it was Tony Park no, but he was still a part of it yeah, yeah. he was, he was on the Park he was on the bench so he's kind of coaching Parks through it wasn't he he? Mm-hmm. he also got 61 England caps in the time of Peter Shilton yeah which is it's pretty astonishing stuff. Uh-huh. Well, Shilton sort of came. Yeah, Shilton was there about Shilton sort of yeah, eventually kind of swapped kind of goalkeeping duties for a they time, did. didn't they? Yeah. But it's still it's still amazing. And also, you know, he was a huge part of England setups under a lot of different managers yeah. like, as a as a coach, mm-hmm. and he's left a sort of indelible mark on on England's goalkeeping mm-hmm. history. Really, well, I think that's I think that's it's a good point because you know, with Clements, then you know, Shilton would come along. I think for a while that England had a great reputation for mm. for producing really top goalkeepers you know it was always a position that was um that, that was was well revered in this country you know and and sure and and, and as I say they got sort of a bit of international recognition and so on you know you think the likes of Banks before him and so on but he was hugely part of that incredible lineage of uh, of great English goalkeepers and a bit ahead of his time as well because he was, he was pretty good with the ball at his feet which wasn't really a thing then as well yeah and and and, and you could be forgiven as a manager for not encouraging a player with those pitches that they played yeah. on <laughs> for, for a goalkeeper playing the ball out the back with his feet and so on you know um, so yeah a giant of the game and uh, rest in peace Ray absolutely alright gentlemen uh, on tomorrow's show i'm back uh, with luke and pete interesting times ahead ladies and gentlemen for your uh, terrific tuesday tomorrow but until then thank you very much andy brassel thank you thank you jim Campbell. thank you thank you ladies and gentlemen see you tomorrow this was a stakhanov production and part of the acast creative network